Hello, welcome to this evening video that we can try to use to observe God's day despite our circumstances. I'm glad that you're watching this and tonight we're going to reflect on Psalm 26 together. So we've been spending some time thinking about the Psalms. We've been thinking about uh, how they help us to reflect on our own experiences in a godly way. We've been thinking about how they point us to Christ. And last time we considered Psalm 25, how it should encourage us to pursue earnestness in prayer and, and holiness. And we're going to think about Psalm 26 as a follow-up to that tonight, how we can pursue that in a specific way. So get your Bible. We're going to read Psalm 26 together. I'm going to pray and then we'll think about this psalm together. So open your Bible to this portion of scripture and then we will, I'm going to read Psalm 26. Hear the reading of God's holy word. Psalm of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me, test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence. And I go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Thus ends the reading of God's word. We do give thanks that God has spoken to us. Let's turn to him now in prayer. Our sovereign God, Lord of heaven and earth, creator and sustainer of all things, we come before you now knowing how small and feeble we are before the universe's maker. We bow before your majesty because we can see more clearly now than ever how significant it is that you are eternal. As we watch many features of the world change before our eyes, we appreciate all the more that you are the unchanging, immutable God. You outlast nations and empires and have yet to be different than you ever were. We bow before you in humble adoration. We confess how much we have taken for granted the privilege of worshiping you together we have presumed upon our ability to gather next week and the next. We have so often been flippant or disparaging of the time that we would come together on your day, preferring perhaps an extra hour or so of sleep after a long week to 
a personal encounter with the living God, or perhaps coming, but believing in our hearts that you, God, should count yourself lucky that we would traverse so far across London to attend your worship. And now, Lord God, we realize the folly of our ways as we so deeply wish that we could gather as your people. We cry out with this psalmist, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. We have presumed too readily that church is a simple matter for our leisure. And God, now we feel the strain of being unable to be in one place to praise you and encourage one another. We repent of the ways that we have not cherished your worship. But we do, Lord, seek your forgiveness. We repent of those things and we trust you to forgive us in Christ and joyfully, because we know you do receive us in our Savior, we give you thanks that we have been able to see one another through various of technology and that we are still able to hear your word on your day in some capacity. We are thankful for the relative protection that our congregation has experienced in light of recent events. God, we are supremely thankful that all of our members are still alive and that no one has died from this virus we certainly weep with those friends who have lost loved ones. That is such a tragedy, we know it. But we rejoice that as of now, we at LCPC do not have a whole funeral for any of our members. We give thanks for how you have upheld so many jobs and provided new jobs despite the unlikelihood and circumstances. We give you thanks for all these things and more. We do cry out for your help, though, at least many of us, and probably holistically, we are struggling. It is often hard to think clearly when we are cut off from normal interactions in the world. It becomes increasingly difficult to maintain our ability to speak openly and express our deepest thoughts to others. It is increasingly difficult not to let ourselves fall into bouts of fear about what the world is like and how we will make it if this lasts much longer. It is difficult not to let our minds wander into despair, into bitterness, into speculation, and into, into so many other things. But we pray that you, O oh God, would rescue us from these things. We pray your protection for our essential workers. We pray your provision for all of us in health and livelihood. We pray for good relationships, and we pray that you would speak through your, through your word just now to encourage our hearts and send us into new and better levels of spiritual strength and prayerfulness. We pray you would overcome the deficiencies of the preacher. Use this time together in your word for the benefit of your people. Help us to see Christ, because we so deeply need him. And we pray these things in his name, for his sake. Amen. So let's consider Psalm 26 together. I exhorted us uh, from Psalm 25 last week to think about how we, despite some very hard times for many of us, should still pursue growth in prayer and holiness. I reflected on Psalm 25 as a a model 
for us of prayer and the pursuit of holiness. So, for instance, that psalm showed clear marks of principled repentance. David demonstrated that by default, he knew that he needed forgiveness of sins. So he wrote, for example, in Psalm 25, 6 and 7, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love. Remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. He wrote in verse 11, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Further, however, David also knew that he needed God to teach him. He wrote in verses 4 and 5, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. In this model of prayer in Psalm 25, David displayed a a commitment to prayer and a concern for growing as he walks with God. I have prayed that the reflections upon that psalm have encouraged you this week and excited you to pursue on your own new levels of prayer and holiness in your own lives during this time when actually it might be easier to let ourselves fall into despair or easily let ourselves falter. And that issue of faltering brings us to Psalm 26 as the ideal sequel to Psalm 25. If if you remember, the last major thought of Psalm 25 was in verse 21. My integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Psalm 26 verse 1 picks up that exact theme. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and have trusted the Lord without wavering. Psalm 26 is a petition that God would look upon our efforts to walk in integrity, would teach us about our condition and help us to be better. The main point that I want to drive home from this psalm is that Psalm 26 teaches us an important principle of how prayer is relational between God and us. In other words, the manner in which David prays teaches us how prayer is not at all talking to the ceiling, hoping someone hears us, but is wrestling in a personal fashion with the true and living God. I think that Psalm 26 is at least partly in in the scripture to teach us how to walk in God's ways if we would follow David's pattern of prayer. So, let's look at this psalm. We see the basic principle that I want us to take away, even in verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord with wavering. David's request is that God would vindicate him. Now, now that word, vindicate, that is there in the ESV, is, is normally translated, judge. 
but in our age, right, judge me has some negative connotations. We usually don't think of that positively. And, and clearly, David has a positive experience in mind here. David's point was that he wanted God to assess him, though. He wanted God's opinion of his life. He made it very clear in verse 2 that he wanted to know God's deepest insights about his life when he wrote, Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. David wanted God to sort through what is going on in his heart and, and mind and, and let him know how those things stand. Now, now the principle for prayer that I want us to see here is in that second part of verse 1, where David said, For I have walked in my integrity, and, and I have trusted in the Lord without laboring. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? We should likely translate that little word for as because. With all the things that I have said uh, in this message so far in place, this verse uh, might become kind of a shocking statement. Assess me, O Lord, because I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. That could seem a bit brazen and overconfident. Uh, it troubles many of us, I think, to, to consider asking God to give an assessment of our lives especially if we said because of our uprightness. It is that word because that I want to highlight, though. I think this is a pivotal word in a few places in this psalm. And I wonder how many of us make principled and, and regular use of that word in our prayers. And so in terms of practical application... This principle means that we, as God's people, when we are praying, should tell God, should explain to God why he should answer our specific prayers. Some of you might be thinking, but Harrison, God knows everything, so why would I tell him the reasons why I, I need the things that I'm praying for? Certainly God knows everything, which does mean that he, he knows the reasons behind your prayers. But that also means that God also already knows what you need and everything that you will say in your prayers. But we all should know that we're still supposed to pray and, and bring our needs before God, even though he knows them. Why then would it not also be good to state our reasons for asking those things in prayer too. I think in, in the personal dynamic of our relationship with God, I think reasoning with God brings that new added relational dynamic to prayer. We're not simply stating our needs, but we start to talk to and converse with God. Not, not in an flippant or casual way, certainly not, but in an appropriate way for God's people 
who are welcomed before God's throne that we might find grace in our time of need. I, I don't think that David was overconfident in his request for God to assess or, or vindicate him. We read similar things, don't we, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 2 to 4, which is actually about submissive humility. So, so Paul wrote there, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Paul and, and David both had moments where they were unaware of, of their shortcomings regarding a particular issue, like in Psalm 26 or 1 Corinthians 4. But that did not undermine their general disposition of repentance. Humility is further clear in how neither of them were satisfied with their own assessment of themselves. They both sought after God's opinion. And yet they sought that in humility, in hopes of God's help, and with reasons. That humility in, in requesting God's insight on, on our lives and providing reasons as we pray is clear as, as we work through this psalm. So read with me a few verses from starting in verse 2. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For, because, your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I don't sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Wash my hands in innocent, and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud, and telling all your wondrous deeds. I think we can apply this directly. We too should seek after God's opinion of us. Christian, think, are there not times when you go before God and are not aware of your shortcomings on a particular issue? I'm not talking generally. I'm talking about when you're speaking to God about a, a specific thing. Perhaps that's especially true when things are difficult. The, the first question that jumps to our minds so often, even for mature Christians, is what have I done for this to happen? And now we may indeed need to repent of that before God. But, but we should do that in wrestling with God. Lord, I don't know of anything against me. I have avoided sin and committed myself to integrity. I don't know what I've done. But you search me, O oh Lord, because I thought I was doing the right thing. The desire is that we would know God more richly in, in relationship and in our personal holiness. And we see that even more in, in verses 8 to 12. O oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells, desiring for fellowship with God. 
Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. Repentance, he knows he needs God's mercy. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Commitment. Redeem me and be gracious to me. Call for rescue. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Just to focus on the, on the practical import here. I want you to make more use of the word because in your prayers. I really want you to think about this as, as a way to reinvigorate the relational dimension of your prayer life. When a child asks a parent for something and the parent asks, why? It's not because they're rejecting the request. So when we go to God, don't wrestle with God simply for what you think you need. Go deeper. Push further into prayer. Wrestle with God also for why you think you need it. I, I realize that we have to be humble and contrite before the living and awesome God. We cannot become presumptuous as we approach the God who is a consuming fire. On the other hand, we cannot neglect that God inspired the Psalms that are full of honesty in the prayers that they display. If we come before God ready to be corrected, then, then we can also be bold. And we can be bold because of Christ. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Christ has earned our security before God. We express the assurance of our faith when we earnestly wrestle with God in prayer. We express the humility of our faith by seeking and trusting forgiveness and correction that God will teach us. Jesus was the man who truly walked the upright life of integrity that this psalm described. He avoided sin in every respect. He had no fellowship in his soul with desires for sin. His foot never stumbled from righteousness. He did that so that you, Christian, could approach God in prayer. This, this righteous man, Jesus Christ, who is God's eternal Son, died on the cross so that God could pardon your sins and failures and give you grace in time of need. And because of Christ then, his rich, abounding grace, we should go to God in prayer. Let's do that now. Father God, we rejoice for this psalm. We rejoice that we see David's further modeling of prayer here. We rejoice that we have a psalm that teaches us more how to pray, how to seek after your assessment of us, how to 
give you reasons, not because you don't know why we need what we need, but God, so that we learn how to talk to you as our Father, so that we have not just a list of things that we bring before you, but so that we have a conversation. God, we pray that you would help us to pray with more fervor, with more honesty, with more depth. God, teach us to pray. God, help us to pray with vigor. But help us to be excited that we can come before our God boldly, that we can come to you knowing you'll give us grace, that we can come to you because of Jesus Christ. Remind us of his beauty, of the grace we find in him when we trust in him by faith. We do pray these things in his name, for his sake. Amen.